welcome to episode 19 of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church and things that we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah, and I'm joined this week um, by our uh, lead pastor, Brett Nicholson, also my co-host via video chat, and Brett's on the Skype line. What's going on, Brett? A whole lot, because uh, so what I'm doing is I'm in a cabin in Shawnee National Forest doing, trying to get focus on some work, but I did not want to miss our guest today. These two guys, I didn't want to not be a part of this, but I had to be out of town. So that's why we went to the trouble to do it because it's going to be great stuff. Awesome. And speaking of our guests, we have Rob Carroll and Jeremy Evans joining us today. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us this morning. And also a thank you. Um, you guys may not know we've had a little technical difficulty starting out. So thank you guys for your patience this morning. No problem. And so what we want to start out first is we want to get to know you guys a little bit before we talk about the amazing um, things that you guys are involved in and starting and creating in your community. So first, I want to start with Rob. Tell us a little bit about you. All right. I'm Rob. I'm principal at South Heights. This is my 22nd year. Um, part of the new venture, Audubon Kids Zone. Uh, proud, proud husband of, of Tammy <laughs> and a proud dad of uh, Cassidy and Sydney, all members of one Life Henderson, and my voice is a little scratchy. I'm going to go ahead and own it <laughs> because I was yelling and screaming, helping my Patriots to the solid victory that they had last mm, night. Okay. So. Patriots fan. Yes. We are recording this a day after the Patriots um, won and beat the Chiefs, and they're heading to the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. And so you, you are the one Patriots fan in this area. When Cassidy is not here, <laughs> yes, then it's two. Then there's two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the other one's in his family. That's funny. <laughs> the other one's his family. Yeah. Um, and then Jeremy Evans. Jeremy, can you tell us a little bit about you? I know that, um, yeah, are you a Patriots fan? No, Packers all the way. Okay, Packers uh, fan. I, um, so I'm not from Evansville. I'm from Peoria, Illinois. I've been, lived here for about 15 years um, and uh, have worked for the Dream Center for about four years and been involved with um, JKZ. Uh, for a little over a year. I am, I, I'm very proud of my wife, Tara, who homeschools our three kids, uh, Lucy, Ellie, and Ben, um, who are all Cubs fans and Packers oh. fans. And uh, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been, I'm a 10 10 tenor uh, and have been involved uh, at One Life uh, since the beginning. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I've gotten to know Jeremy from our West Campus for a while, and Rob, um, I've heard a lot about Rob, but recently just got to kind of connect with you and learn more about um, the Audubon Kids Zone. I know, Brett, you kind of wanted to kind of lead off and ask some specific questions to get us a little bit more to know about the Kids Zones. I'll let you take that. Yeah, uh, and, and so what we're, we're in the series called Build, which is all about when we say um, we don't want to build just great churches, we want to build great cities locally and globally. We're kind of explaining that and diving into that, and what Rob and Jeremy stand for is the actual work that's going into building great cities out of Henderson and Evansville. And, and we're trying to explain that and, and just kind of get a feel for it. This past week, we've talked about, we kind of summed it up by saying, really, city building is neighbor loving. City building is neighbor loving in all of its different expressions. And we're going to explore those expressions over the next several weeks. But these guys represent one of the most important uh, expressions that we could have of that. If you heard them talk about JKZ or AKZ, that means the KZ is kids zones. And kids zones is what I'd love for you guys to explain and kind of back up. And Rob, I'll start with you. Like, Back up the history of where the Audubon Kids Zone came from. What's the concept going back before it ever even, uh, you know, had a physical building? Uh, what was that journey like, and what was that all about? So people kind of understand it from the start. All right. One thing that I have is the the advantage of longevity being in one school for so many years 
And um, we did quite a transformation at South Heights, and a lot of kids were helped. Uh, but we still had too many of our kids not making it. And when I mean not making it, not making it to a life uh, where struggle was not a daily occurrence. And so what we did was we just kind of experimented and we took a few kids under our wings and said that we are simply not letting them go until they reach the finish line. And we consider that college or technical school graduation. We really feel like that's setting them up. Uh, for success. And and we did it. We followed them to middle school and high school. We were there for them uh, no matter what. And it wasn't one person. It was several people. And and since then, we're batting a thousand. All those kids have graduated from college wow. or technical school and uh, doing great things. So then we thought about what's this concept look like if we move it to a bigger area? And I believe in absolutely no accidents, and right when that was happening, I got a call from this dude named Heath <laughs> and Bob, and they told me to come over to this church that was in a Ben Franklin, <laughs> and I walked in the front door, and there's a band playing Back in Black, and I said, this is not your usual place, <laughs> which I kind of dug, and I went into their boardroom, had a flash drive of what I was talking about, and uh, I think it was Bob that just asked, you know, what, what are you, what are you thinking? And I kind of laid it out there to, in a community, treating kids like we would treat our own biological children. And from there, things just took off. Engage Henderson came about and a spotlight was put on the east end of Henderson that, that had never been previously there. And uh, yada, 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 a bunch of meetings and a lot of data and a lot of just great stuff. And now doors are open at the Audubon Kids Zone. It's a dream come true. That's amazing. And so as you're saying that, you said that you had a flash drive, you had all this work put together. Was this a team of people or was this an idea that came to you or? Uh, I, th I think it was just kind of, I just kind of put down in a PowerPoint. It's kind of the way I think just what I thought had to happen if, if what we said, we succeed, no exceptions, no excuses was really going to come to fruition. And I'm kind of a nerd, so I kept it in a flash drive in my pocket all the time. Thank God I didn't lose it. And uh, and but it took a group of people, it took a community to make that. I could have never. I mean, mm. it just it would still be a flash drive in my pocket. And how? You know? When was that? How many years ago was that? Ah, uh, it was not ten, ten, ten. It was maybe eleven, eleven, eleven. It was right <laughs> after you guys opened the doors, and it was. It, it's several years ago. It was right before the engage process. Everything laid out perfectly. I can't say that enough. Everything just kind of came together, you know, and, and when we had the idea, then there was a foundation that had a big pot of money for seed right. money that wanted to look for something with big purpose. And, and so I, I don't, I don't look those kind of things. Right. I, I don't take them for granted. And it was so leading us to a place. And so the Ottoman Kids Zone is now an actual place, and it's been there for uh, some a few years now at least. Yeah. Um, and, you know, seven, eight years later after that idea, now we have something called the Jacobsville Kids Zone. Uh, and Jeremy, yeah, yeah. can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so uh, Dream Center has always been committed to Jacobsville and making Jacobsville a better place to live and um, helping kids become self-sustaining. And we... 
we do that primarily through after school or out of school programming. We've done that for 20 years and we, I've been there for four years and what we started to see, and Rob kind of alluded to this, um, sort of a little bit past where Rob was talking about was what we call second generation dream center kids Mm. who are kids whose parents are bringing them to the dream center who came to the dream center when they were kids and they're bringing us their kids for after school programming, not necessarily because they think we're so great, but sometimes because they're in the same weird situation that their parents were in. Um, we see the cycle of generational poverty being such a, having such a strong influence and pull on kids and families. And what we know is that uh, relief-oriented programs like after-school programming that feed kids and teach kids the gospel and try to um, help kids with their education, that sort of relief-oriented work is not enough to move the needle mm-hmm. um, in terms of helping them uh, escape the cycle of generational poverty. And so had um, for a very long time wanted to do more, had always talked about more for our kids and families, but it had always been sort of scattershot and not strategic. Like we'd pay a veteran bill or we'd buy a kid a pair of shoes, like typical like church benevolence right. type work. Um, and then uh, met a guy named Bob <coughs> Seymour and Bob uh, said, you got to do this kid's own thing. And this was probably four and a half years ago now and uh, had always been fits and starts trying to get it going and finally hired uh, someone who could help us make it happen in our kids own director, John, and then convinced a funder to pay for a uh, trip to Harlem. And so wow. we got to Rob and I and John and several other leaders, Austin Maxheimer um, from West got to go to Harlem and spend two days training with some of the most revolutionary educational minds in America today and came back and was all fired up and selected geography and got to work on the ground. And it has been this tremendous roller coaster ride ever since. I can't say enough about what Rob said about how it's all just been just perfect timing. Like it feels like God ordained and God inspired all the way down. And we were in a meeting today and I said, and this is true, I'm having more fun in this work than I've ever had in my life. It's an absolute blast. That's awesome. Yeah, that is. That's fantastic. You know, a couple of things. One, Rob, uh, was, you know, people wonder why we do things like Back in Black. Now, it's, see, it shows. I mean, that, <laughs> it, it, it did serve a purpose. Uh, but it was something you said I think is very important for people to hear, and I kind of want you to elaborate a little bit, that uh, you said, you know, we're, we're treating these kids like we would our own. And and when we, uh, when we talk about city building— it is neighbor loving and what, uh, you know, Jesus said, do to others as you would do, uh, do for you. And what you guys are doing is that really thought through, uh, I think we all credit ourselves was kind of, you know, some niceness or whatever, but this is real proactive movement, um, w- treating children like we would want to treat our own children and making sure they have those opportunities. So I guess my question is, Rob, uh, what would, when it comes to AKZ, how it works in the functional world, day in and day out, what do you wish people knew about it? If you could just have an audience of thousands of people, which you may do with these podcasts, what would you want? <laughs> oh, what goes on in there? Well, I think I think the biggest idea that differentiates us as a kid zone from other organizations is it's not about any one certain program. Even though we have an after-school program, we are not defined as an after-school program. It's about breaking down every kid that lives in that zone and knowing them deeply, knowing their families deeply, and figuring out exactly what do they need, 
to go to the next step. What do they need? And then figuring out how we can get services that are already in place to help or how we can create new situations or new services for them. It's not about a, you know giving them something. It's about creating success like we would want for our own kids. I mean, I think we've made the simple hard. And what we want to do for our kids in the kids zone is what we want to do for Cassidy and Sydney Carroll. I will never personally give up on Cassidy and Sydney Carroll. I won't. I will do whatever's necessary for them to be successful. Every kid deserves that. And I think as a community, we can define an area and we can promise that and we can come through. Hmm. Yeah, wow, that's that is so that's so amazing. And I I'm, I hope people do catch that. You know, Jeremy, and you said something too. You were sitting with some of the most revolutionary educators uh, in the country uh, a few years back when you went to Harlem. The Harlem Kids Zone is the model. But what were and you also said this whole thing about not being able to move the needle on generational poverty. What is one of the key takeaways? And maybe it's just an echo of something Rob said, but still I'd love it to hear it in your own words. With those educators, what did they say about moving the needle? What was the thing that you took away that this has to happen? Well, they are dedicated. Um, and it, it does go back to Rob's point. Um, they are dedicated to their kids' success no matter what. Um, we, uh, as a culture, and even in the nonprofit world, sort of define boundaries for ourselves and say, that's how far I'm going to go. And so, like, as a for example, for an after school program, you think 2.30 to 6. And what happens after 6? Well, I'm not going past six o'clock. This is, I just kind of have them until six and I'm going to do what I have to do with them until they're not with me anymore. And then that's going to be it. And this idea, it sort of turns that on its head to where we're like, in a sense, taking responsibility for the success of our kids. Um, we, sometimes we talk about like in the, in the roles that we fill and the things that we do, the activities we do, we take responsibility for making sure that that meal they get is nutritional. And we take responsibility for making sure that the ministry message they get is very good. But here, what we're doing is we're saying that kid's success is on me and I'm going to make sure that that kid gets everything they need to be successful. And, um, you know, going back to Harlem, they just, they're just not ever, they never give up. They will not give up on a kid. And uh, to Rob's point about loving kids like our bio kids, um, when you love a kid like Jonathan, a kid like Sade, a kid like Shy, um, and you say, I'm going to love you like I love my kids, you you can't. There is no give up button. You, you've you got to pour in and continue to pour in. And even when those kids make decisions that drive you crazy and maybe their parents make decisions that drive you crazy too, you just, you're not going to let that be a, 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 a place where you step out in judgment or step out in in fear or regret or anything like that. You're just going to say, okay, great. This is the landscape now. What are we going to do next? What do we do next to help this kid? And I know that, I know, um, Jeremy, I've heard you talk about you guys are focusing on four blocks yeah. um, around your area. And I assume the Audubon Zone kind of started that way as well. Has it moved out or is it still kind of the same target um, that you're targeting? In? We started out with 10 blocks 10 and blocks. we're solidly wow. locked there until we can prove what we do works. And uh, once we do that, then we'll start expanding. And so the idea for both of you, 10 blocks and four blocks, is to say we want to focus on this area because I think kind of what you said there too, that sometimes we set limits ourselves, but sometimes we try to shoot too far and you're not yeah. able to give the targeted um, um, 
kind of being able to be there for people as much as you want to be when you're trying to do too much for too many. Yeah. So I call this nonprofit cheerleader disorder and it's the, what do we do? Everything. Who do we do it for? Everybody. And (laughs) that level of depth is just not sustainable. It doesn't work. Um, And what we, uh, you know, the Jacobsville neighborhood, it's the largest neighborhood in Evansville. It's 200 city blocks. And we can't do the the work right. this work at the level of depth in 200 blocks. Um, the other thing that um, makes sense about the place focus is that I always say adjacency builds momentum. So if Rob helps a family in South Heights solve some problems and Jeremy helps a family in Jacobsville solve some problems, that's not as good as Rob helping two adjacent families solve some problems. Mm. Because now people start to see that something's going on. We have, I don't know if you've experienced, well, sure you have, you've told me before, we, we, had, a, we had a parent... Um, approach us and say, how do I get that? We had a kid approach us and say, why am I not getting that um, level of support and involvement? And so people start to notice there's something going on and that momentum is sort of a catalyst for success. Yeah. And how do you answer those questions though? When, when someone yeah. says getting that, what, what, what do you say? Move to the four blocks. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's the, and and it's a little bit countercultural, right? And we talked about that earlier about how people expect us to do everything for everybody. And, you know, the sad truth of it is that if a family doesn't live in the four blocks, we're not providing service to them. The, the flip side of that coin is that if a family is in our zone and moves out, we got a problem on our hands because mm-hmm. now a new family is going to move to wherever they were staying and I got to serve that family now. And so it is counterculture and it's a little bit hard to, for people to wrap their minds around sometimes, but we need something countercultural. The, the, the cycles that we're trying to eliminate are too powerful to just do the whole home <laughs> everyday interventions. Wow. Uh, and Rob, I know you, t- it was what, it's funny, Brett's kind of on this TV screen behind us if you're not actually watching the podcast, if you're just listening, we have him set up like a virtual Brett, so I keep turning around to look and see if he's going to say something instead of actually looking at him, so it's pretty fun. You should watch us on YouTube, um, but uh, you were talking earlier about you've seen the success rate. What, what does that mean? Like, what is the success? Um, like, what's, I guess I'm saying, like, I know you started with some kids who were younger and have made it six, seven years with the program. What's that look like? Well, I mean, those initial four or five, I mean, it does look like success. Yeah. I mean, nothing's better than as an elementary principal traveling to a college and uh, sitting out in the audience and watching this kid and you know their story and you watch him cross the stage. I can't think of a more poetic, fulfilling moment than that. And, you know, for forever, you know, past that, that their 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 family tree kind of changes. Um so always keeping that in mind whenever we run into the roadblocks and the walls it takes a startup a startup <laughs> um that that makes it that gives you the that purpose to kind of see you through so um now it's going back to the initial you know group that we're working with now getting those those beginning wins and you know it's about having dinner with their parents and making a promise we made a promise to 35 parents that uh stick with us and uh, we will get your kids through college and technical school graduation. We're not exactly sure what that looks like or how we're going to do it, but that didn't keep us from making the promise because that's a promise I made my kids. Right. I don't know. I didn't have their college graduation, all that figured out, but I told them that and that drives me to make sure it happens. And so what's the, what's the youngest that you guys have like 
kind of started with five years old. I held a baby once and told him <laughs> he was going to be career college and life ready when he graduated high school. That's so awesome. we do most of our intervention with kids who are in elementary school, but okay. we've got partners who do early childhood work. I, I want to touch on something that um, Rob just said about the kids and knowing their story. What you got to know about the kids that we serve is that they are way, way stronger than we will ever be oh, yeah. um, because they have faced traumatic situations growing up that we would just be like, well, we would just quit. Right. <laughs> like we'd be like, game over. I, I, I can't do this. But these kids have this steel resolve and this, this will, I, I always say uh, so many of our kids, there's, you meet them and you interact with them and you walk away and you say, man, there's just something really special about that kid. I can't put my finger on it. It's sort of an intangible, but there is something special about that kid. And what I want to tell you is our world needs that something special to survive that mm -hmm. kid's childhood. Mm -hmm. And so we want to come alongside them and just do whatever we can to bolster them. And then you didn't say this, but I think it is true. Really want these kids to move back. Like yeah. I, it would be such a win for some of our Jacobsville kids own kids after they achieve this level of success to move back to the neighborhood and start to contribute right. uh, from a different, from a different level. Right. You know, as, as we, as we talk about this and, and I was just kind of putting myself in the, in the uh, shoes of those who may be listening and wondering about maybe hearing these things for the very first time. Uh, I, I guess I'd be inspired on one hand, but, and I'd also think, well, that's, that's great. You guys are doing that, but is there any way that, uh, that I could be involved beyond just, and I know you could always, uh, stand a donation or two, but is there, are there practical things that, you know, a person who's really moved by these things can do to step in and be a part of the process? I, th I think, you know, one thing that I've learned becoming a part of Ottoman Kids Zone is as much as I thought I knew about the kids that attend South Heights, I only knew maybe 20 percent, um, you know, really getting to dive down deep into their lives is it's illuminated a lot of things, uh, housing, uh, just mm -hmm. all kind of things that, that our kids face. So I, I think no matter what your talent, skills, or passions are, there's an on-ramp for serving kids. Um, just know going in, it's, it's not short-term. Your, your, your mm -hmm. service could be short-term, but the impact is going to be gauged long-term. So, I mean, you know, whether it's helping to tutor or it's mentoring, 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 that's huge. Mm. Or it's even, you know, helping us figure out a legal issue or uh, financial literacy. There's just so many things. Um, again, if we break down our own lives, you know, think about what we need. And there are kids that need the same things, but just have deficits in certain areas. So there's multiple ways to serve. Yeah, I would go ahead, Brett. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was just curious about, like, if you said a while ago that you don't have a particular program, I'm assuming that means that just like with our own kids, you sort of customize things to their needs. Their, but you've got, what, 35, you said. So yes. are you literally just kind of coming up with whether it's financial literacy or uh, kind of approaches just based upon each kid's custom need? Yeah. Yep. That's, that's kid-centrism. And uh, so... That's why when people ask us or even grants, you know, what do you do? It's like, I don't know, you know, ask us tomorrow <laughs> uh, because it's driven by driven by what our kids need. And uh, that's 
that's the majesty of it, but it's also the difficulty in explaining it to people. Um, but just know that those kids get used to it. And I think even though they may not be around when we're having conversations about them, I think they can feel it. I can just see it and the glow that's coming off of them. They can feel that we're having conversations around about them and it just, it shows in them. So I don't know, just to be known that you're cared for by a group of people, I think is very empowering. I want to, I want to add, um, we're working on some ways for churches and small groups and individuals to find a more concrete footing in terms of partnership. Um, I, there are volunteer opportunities for tutoring and di- different programming needs and that sort of thing. Prayer is an absolute must for this effort. Prayer both for the kids and families that we're serving, but also for the, the staff that we're sending out into this world. Um, the people who are on the ground doing this work are facing just things that you would not believe. Um, and they're having to process those things emotionally through the eyes of a child. And that can be devastating for the people who are doing this work. The other thing I want to challenge people to do is to think about relationship building. Um, everybody has a heart to do something um, and to try to make a change in our world and try to make a difference for someone who's struggling and hurting. And what's cool about this is that it creates an on-ramp for me to partner people partner people who want to make that change with people who really need it. And so maybe that's taking chicken and dumplings to a mom um, who's had a particularly rough week. Maybe that's stopping and praying with a mom as she's leaving, dropping her kids off from school. Uh, Maybe that's doing some career counseling with a dad or something like that who's struggling through something right now. But I think the dangerous thing is that it's going to require us to build relationships um, with people that we don't know. And that it can be hard to draw people out of their shell in that. But what, but I think what's cool about that is that when you're walking in Christ and you're, and you're leading with Christ's love, some of that starts to become a little bit automatic almost like, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do for this person. I'm supposed to do what I would do for myself. Okay, let's go. Hmm. I, I've got um, a couple questions to kind of wrap up as we get towards the, the end of the podcast here, because there's so much information and so much great stuff that you guys are involved with. But what I want to know is, is I'd love to hear like a story of one of the kids just from recent or the past years, whatever, just something you can share. You don't have to use names or anything, but just something that would be able to highlight the expectation based upon what happens with them. Uh, it's kind of hard to narrow it down to one story, sure. but um, I don't know. I, I just think about one young lady who, you know, at one point uh, was was covering up her her uh, younger brother, you know, from from a drive by. You know, she jumped on top of him, pulled a mattress over on top of him, bullet holes in the mattress, and and she was struggling at school. And uh, <laughs> no wonder, you know, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, and and even though we feel really strongly about South Heights and our relationship building, we didn't know all that. We know a lot about our kids, but we didn't know all that. Um, the advantage of having Audubon Kids Zone is we were able to get into all that, and we we're able to provide that that young lady and her brother support and a person that's taking care of them. And now that young lady is prospering, and so the idea that that there's this thing in place that can get down into that and, and to, to serve her the way she deserves to be served, the way my kids would des- deserve to be served, and that she's coming out on top, uh, it's, it's very powerful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I, and I'll share something that's not quite as um, dramatic, but something that shows the 
the the level of change that we're trying to make. We were working with a kid uh, who um, was struggling to pass the third grade um, reading exam. I read every third grader has in Indiana anyway has to pass a test called I read. And uh, this kid, we were putting through standard reading remediation and helping him work with tutors, and we had him working with a volunteer and. Um, he hated it. He didn't want anything to do with it because nobody likes to do what they're bad at. And so I, I said, just read to this volunteer. And it's, he said, fine, I'll read to him. And so that night I got a call from that volunteer. You've heard this story a million times. I got a call from that volunteer who said, Jeremy, has he had his eyes checked? And I said, I don't know. I would have no way of knowing that. Why? And he said, well, because I handed him my reading glasses and he just took off. Oh my gosh. And that kid called the school and the school said, yep, back in November, we had his eyes checked and sent home a paper um, to tell mom that he needed glasses. And uh, Rob knows this and I know it too. The number one way to make sure that a parent doesn't get a piece of paper is to hand it to their kid and tell them (laughs) to give it to their parent. And so I called mom and mom said, no, I never got the paper. And by the way, we can't afford glasses. And I said, no problem. I know somebody that can take care of that for us. So we got him the glasses. He passed the test. That's a great example of kid centrism and going like that extra level deeper. Whereas a traditional intervention might be like, well, he's struggling to read. He might not pass. We were willing to keep going, keep digging and try mm-hmm. to find the root cause of his problem. Yeah. And the beauty of that, it's just profoundly simple. I mean, it's just, yes. Uh, so amazing. It's something that simple literally could change a kid's life just from one thing to the other. And that's that's so good to know and so uh, so helpful and encouraging. So thank you for sharing that. That's great. And so what, what's a good way if people want to find out more or find out how they can get connected? How can they connect to Ottoman Kids Zone and Jacobsville Kids Zone? I think, I mean, we have a way through our social media. You can contact us at Ottoman okay. Kids Zone, especially through Facebook uh, and South IT 1199s right up the road and check myself out or Tammy Sutton or just come on down the Ottoman Kids on Corner Electra and Powell, the 1325. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, we have a website, is actually a, we- a blog that where I just did some writing about the work that we're doing. Um, and we have uh, a Facebook page. The Dream Center has a Facebook page where we talk about the Jacobsville Kids Zone. Um, and then I'll tell you that... Um, uh, well, it's the intersection of Iowa and Elliott Street. Uh, we don't have a number assigned to it, but that's 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 where our four blocks lies. And kids, is that spelled with a Z or an S? S. Okay. And Ottoman Kids Zone, is that with a Z or an S? S. For some reason, I thought it was a Z, but I think it's just the first letter of the... Now we know. <laughs> I, 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 we do know, and we didn't know before. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, terrific. And Jeremy, we need to have you on again to talk specifically about Dream Center sometime. I, mean, I would love a that. Of, a lot of great um, things that I know that One Lifers specifically have been able to connect to a Absolutely. little bit. Um, uh, a group I was in for a while, we used to come out every Thursday and, and rotate bringing food. And it was mm-hmm. pretty fun hanging out with kids there. And I know yeah. there's some more volunteers there as well. And then, um, Rob, you talked about South Heights a lot. And I know that that's obviously something um, that's very connected to the Audubon Kids Zone. Um, but I don't know, like there, there's just something there that it seems so interesting, you know, that you were there and you said, I see these people and I want a space for that. Um, and now Ottoman Kids Zone exists, but um, obviously still South Heights is something that you're passionate about as well. Yeah, I mean, I just really see it all as one and the same. It's kids in this area that deserve a, a chance to succeed. And I want to make sure, you know, we've told some kind of tough stuff here, but yeah. I, I completely agree with Jeremy. This is not like a a pity podcast. We want no one's pity. <laughs> right. This this area is right full of potential. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent of those kids were born with everything they need to be highly successful. All they 
absolutely have to have are some opportunities to show it. Terrific. Brett. I just want both of you, though, I think it's important to dispel any rumors that we might have created. Now, you're not using uh, either Audubon Kid Zone or Jacobsville Kid Zone to turn the kids, respectively, into Patriots fans or Cubs fans. Is that true? <laughs> uh, I'll pass. Rob, what are you, what are you going to say <laughs> No comment. That? All right. I'll let people fill in the blanks. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> That's true. You want them to be successful. <laughs> the rumors. That may uh, concern some people, but okay. Well, well, here's what I've decided, okay? I'm just going to say this. I'm a Colts fan, okay? Big Colts fan. And, um, I which like means, your new coach. Yeah, I do too. He's, he's fun. Colts had a great team this year. I think we're we're, we're really going in the right direction. It's going to be fun for uh, quite a few years if everyone stays healthy. But here's what I realized last night is that if you're a Colts fan, most of the time you're not a Patriots fan. That's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I have to just say, I mean, Tom Brady – I'm living in a time where I get to see probably the best quarterback of all time play football. That's pretty amazing. So I have to, I have to just be okay with that. That's how I'm getting past the next two weeks. <laughs> He's good. He's good. He's good. He makes he makes throws. <laughs> uh, well, guys, thank you so much for joining us, thank you. and thank you so much thank for hanging for with us with all the technical difficulties. And Brett, thank you for joining us from um, yeah wherever you are. Wherever, wherever I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I enjoyed it. I love it. Thank you guys for being with us. And again, um, Brett had a, a message that kind of highlighted some of these things as well, talking about um, neighbor loving as well. And you can listen to that at the onelifechurch.org or on the One Life Church app. Um, and again, you can always send us messages if you want more information and not really sure how to connect with these guys. You can always email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org and we will get in, you in touch with them as well. We'll see you guys next week. Music by Ben Brock and Micah Robertson. To find out more about One Life Church, you can visit onelifechurch.org. Or to contact us directly at the podcast, just email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org.